0: and what it's like to have your whole life turned upside down and the unexpected challenges that come with a life-saving drug. You can listen to Breathless now wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.
3: Baby. Hello, my love.
0: Ready to talk about some sex.
3: Let's do it. Uh, let's do well, it. I Actually, mean, let's not. No. Actually, what? Yeah. What do you want to yeah, say? Yeah, let's do it. You want to talk about sex? Yeah, why wouldn't we? Um, well, because it's Wednesday. Um, it's the day that we're putting our episode out and I know that we already have some Folks listening who had to drive to work without listening to our sultry voices, yeah. And so we want to at least give them something to listen to, I guess, on the way home.
0: Right? You mean let's get it out quick?
3: Let's let's pump it out like yeah. Well, I like agree. Uh, smooth we're, birth.
0: Yeah, we're a little bit late uh, with today's episode, um, but the reason why is because we are not in Halifax; we are in downtown Toronto. Uh, we've been recording some episodes while we've been here. We we flew in yesterday morning, and we're going to be here for a couple of days, and then heading off to Montreal for some uh, Zoo Fest shenanigans, some j- just for laughs type shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess we should right off the bat plug that if you are listening to this on the day we drop the episode uh, tomorrow, July eighteenth, we are having a live show, a live recording of the podcast. There's still a few tickets left, so uh, so snag them, get them while you can. Uh, doors open at seven, shows at seven thirty, and uh, our guest Nicole is well, she's pretty incredible, and I'm really excited to talk to her. Um, she's got some fun and exciting projects uh, that she's she's working on. Um, but yeah, it's gearing up to be a really fun night, so get and your tickets. And it's
3: super casually, like, don't tell anybody th- that we said this in case we get in trouble legally, but it's BYOB, so oh, yeah. it's a nice little place to have a pre-beverage if you're heading out on a date afterwards, or maybe it is your date night.
0: Yeah, and we'll probably go out after and hang out for a little bit. Yeah. yeah. We um, with, with people who are there. So go get your tickets. Uh, you can get them in the link in our Instagram bio or the link in my Instagram bio at Jeremy Saunders or the link in Bridey's Instagram bio at Brady McLean. Um, and yeah, we'd love to see you. We'd love to see your, your beautiful faces. Um, we sure would. All right, well, let's throw it right to actually a conversation that we just literally had.
3: We're so excited about it. I am really excited about it. And I'm also like simultaneously kind of disappointed because I feel like... <laughs> I want want her to have her own podcast and talk about all of this stuff all the time.
0: Dr. Alicia would have a really good podcast, I think. She's
3: just like so eloquent and uh, graceful about all the things that she knows. And um, it's just like, it's just a science, this whole gyne... gyne, You said it.
0: A gynecological...
3: uh, An obstetrics obstetrics doctor. Yeah. It's like such a field of like so many of us have the bits, and we don't know enough about them. I learned something completely new about my own anatomy. Yeah. Did you know that the ov- ovaries are not attached to the fallopian tubes? I always thought they were.
0: I didn't know that, but they, there's a lot that I don't know about what's going on down there in the in the female uh, reproductive system so world. Absolutely, of
3: course, I've seen the pictures. I've yeah. seen the animations.
0: Totally, yeah.
3: I should know everything about my bits.
0: Yeah, well, you're about to find out a lot more about your bits. Uh, Dr. Alicia O, I still can't pronounce her last name. Oh, o- Yeah. I
3: said Ulsthorn. Oh I man,
0: you gave it like... You gave I said the-
3: Ulstorn. I think it's Ulstorn.
0: Okay, well, I guess she says it, so we'll find it's out. It's right? Uh, and next week we'll be back as we usually are. We'll, we'll do a nice little... Uh, um, Sexy intro, yeah. Our our, our regular uh, foreplay and, and and brain boners. But if if it, in the meantime, if you want to uh, hit us up with a brain boner, go to uh, send an email to turnmeonpodcast at gmail And oh, for anyone coming to the live show tomorrow night, uh, feel free to submit a brain boner today oh yeah maybe we'll read it tomorrow that's
3: a great idea yeah
0: um and and you know we'll obviously we'll keep it anonymous we're not gonna like call you out in the middle of the fucking show uh okay (laughs) let's throw it to the episode hope you guys enjoy this one it was a treat uh thank you dr alicia O, for doing your thing dr o dr o uh (laughs) and we'll see y'all on the other side but I'm also going to eat this. Oh, okay. So, good. so I'm going <laughs> to so I'm going to try to step away from the mic for a moment. It's so
3: weird because so with, take it away, with the other podcast that uh, I'm working on, the I Hear You podcast, I I'm all alone hosting, but I have no experience really previous to that hosting by myself and uh, the fact that you're eating yogurt is right now and I have to do all the talking is giving me some low-key anxiety.
0: <laughs> well, how about this? Uh, have we have you ever mentioned on Termion about I Hear You? Um, Like, you've talked about the series, mm -hmm. and you can remind everyone about that, but but I don't think you ever mentioned anything about uh, the companion podcast that's going along with it.
3: Absolutely. So, um, friends at home. Um, I just was a part of... um, capturing some behind the scenes moments actually I was interviewing the cast and crew about their experience and wanting to be a part of this new web series called I Hear You and um, it hasn't been released yet it's going to be released in October is what they're shooting for and uh, they the team the producers asked me to come on board to be a part of it because I have this turn me on podcast so I'm used to podcasting and talking to people um, about matters relating to sexuality and I hear you the series and I hear you the podcast are all focused around uh, women in the most inclusive sense of the word and um, reproductive and sexual health so it's 10 episodes every episode introduces a new character a new patient and uh something they're dealing with it covers everything from you know a 16 year old who has the acne and whose mother wants her to go on birth control to to kind of get it under control and uh and then all the way to seniors and their experience of new relationships and um, contracting STIs, which is quite a big deal in the senior population these days, which I can't wait to talk about on Termion as well. But uh, but yeah, so I today I brought you Annalisa to um, to chat. With us on Turn Me On, but but afterwards we'll we'll capture also an I Hear You episode. And those of you at home, um, once that podcast, once that secondary podcast is launched, I'll let you all know about it.
0: And Alicia, the reason why Bridey brought you in to talk to you about that that show and to be on Turn Me On is because you are. Correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. A resident. Yes, of gynecology.
2: That's right. Is
0: yeah. that how you say it? A resident <laughs> yeah. of gynecology.
2: Um, I guess so. Like I'm, um, let's say when I introduce myself, I would say I'm a fourth year obstetrics and gynecology resident. That's probably how I would say. It It just rolls
3: <laughs> off your tongue. Yeah, that, exactly.
2: Yeah. I've said it a few times. That sounded yeah. kind of
0: way more legit than what I said. Uh, I, I, yeah. I mean, you know, I I was kind of I was
3: sort,
2: you sort got, you of you you captured it. the essence yeah. of yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you does that mean you're a student? Yeah, so I mean, it means I've, you know, I've completed a degree, and then I finished medical school, and then I entered a residency program. So I'm a full-fledged doctor. Mm-hmm. I introduced myself as Dr. Olstorm, but please call me Alicia. I've <laughs> also said that a few times. Um, and um, But I am actually a doctor, but then I'll be a Royal College certified um, specialist in obstetrics and gynecology after my fifth year when I've written my Royal College exams.
3: Is that what um, being a resident is? Is kind of like... The super doctor, and then once you're done, you're a super doctor?
2: Yeah. Like, I'd like, you to, know what I mean? I like to feel that No, way. I yeah. don't.
0: Wait, I don't. What? Why, what well, like,
2: you about? can go to med school, and then do you have to do a residency? So it used to be that if you did, there used to be that one-year rotating internship, and okay. then you kind of rotate through everything. And then after that, you would be a general practitioner, and okay. then you could practice in what we sort of now call family medicine. But we realized that family medicine is, an, in and of itself, a super complicated specialty as well. So that totally. has its own residency spot mm-hmm. now, and that's a oh. two-year program for family medicine so we actually all go through a residency okay all right.
0: i'm really excited about this because um uh i also host another podcast Mm -hmm. and um it's it's the
3: podcast about podcasts (laughs)
0: yeah yeah yeah. so it's a podcast about podcasts (laughs) um uh, it's it's actually about so it's called sick boy and we talk to people who are living with illness disease but it's a comedy podcast so this this conversation i'm i'm like I'm trying not to fall into sick board territory, but man, I've heard some shit over the last about year from guests that we've had on the show that I I am a, I am what you would describe as like a self-proclaimed dumb white male.
3: I hate that.
0: But I am though, (laughs) because I don't know shit. So every time we talk to a woman who's like, hey, I'm here to talk about my sexual health issues or like my reproductive issues, I am... Always, totally rendered speechless. Right. There are things that I've had. I, I had no idea were things. Yeah. And I, I hope we can get into it at some point. But like, for example, pelvic organ prolapse.
2: Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, I and, just finished my three months of urogynecology. I could <laughs> tell you a lot about pelvic organ prolapse. <laughs> I, let me tell you bet <laughs> you
0: could. Yeah, like that. And we've talked about it actually on this podcast mm-hmm. with Momgasm Girls. Yeah, they were talking about pel- pelvic organ prolapse. Yeah, but the thing that that fucking blows my mind, and I and I kind I guess I kind of want to hear your take on this as a as a doctor. I, I don't know if you would have like a um, an opinion, but. The thing that we that i've I've heard when we talk to women who go through really like gnarly pregnancies mm-hmm. um, which it seems to me to be something that's not that uncommon yeah like it seems like it's it's somewhat common i don't, I don't know if I would say like very common but like
2: yeah.
0: more common than than I would have anticipated yeah um that that they they, they always say, well no one ever told me that this would be a thing yeah like no one ever gave me any warning that this was coming no one ever like i didn't even know that or pelvic organ prolapse existed um and then afterwards there seems to be this this sort of um i guess what's the word i'm looking for like a a feeling of of a lack of support for for women after going through something so like um traumatic I guess
2: yeah I mean it depends yeah so there's a lot there's a lot there's lot there's a, a couple of really like important <laughs> things that you touched on that I think is true for a lot of women's health things is that women um, tend to suffer in silence and for the reasons why like whether we've been taught that that's how you have to deal with these problems and it's not you know it's not appropriate to talk about your pelvic organ prolapse and what it means for you and your sexual functioning you're like how it, you can't even walk some of these women can't walk because of their pelvic organ prolapse it's it's wild like so
1: mm-hmm.
2: so th- so there's that piece like why so many women are suffering in silence and it's not that these problems aren't happening and they are actually very very common but it's that we're not really even talking about them and so we can't learn from each other and sort of and and support each other um and then and then you know complications in pregnancy <clears throat> is a whole other. Piece where I mean I, I'm lucky in that I've worked in in sites where it, we do high risk obstetrics and so uh, there are specialized programs set up for supporting women with recurrent um, mm. recurrent losses, recurrent mid trimester losses where they're you know pre viable really like can be very traumatic deliveries and things like that and it's happened to them multiple multiple times and so there are really good supports luckily in the places I've worked like Sunnybrook and Mount Sinai Hospital but. But that's not everywhere. And these, you know, there's there's women who maybe have we get a lot of women that get um, uh, flown in from northern Ontario, let's say, because they are 23 weeks and they're going into preterm labor. And if there's any hope of that baby surviving, they need to get sent down to Sunnybrook or Mount Sinai. And so they arrive here. They have no one here to support them. They don't know anyone. And we're suddenly throwing like a million statistics at them, like, OK, your baby has this percent chance of survival and this percent chance of this. And you could just let your baby die or you could. And not that that's, that's an oversimplification of the conversation, but we're having these mm-hmm. conversations in real time because she's dilating as we're speaking. And we're like, do you want to resuscitate your baby? Do you not? And so it, it becomes this like very dramatic situation. And then, you know, then they deliver or they don't. And we keep them admitted and there's any number of outcomes. Um, and then we say bye bye and you know, yeah. ship them back up to Northern Ontario. Back to where you and, came from, yeah. And what kind of supports they have, have have up there? Like, I don't even know the answer to that, which mm-hmm. I probably should.
0: Well, I mean, wow. Not that you probably should. I don't think I, yeah. I, I, because it's it's really outside of your realm. You know, what I mean, it's right,
2: like it's outside of where I practice. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's
0: that we we hear this on Sick Boy all the time, where people people are like, I couldn't believe my fucking doctor didn't know yeah. about you know whatever this thing, and it's like, yo, your doctor. Your doctor is a human. Yeah. It, they're they're not the internet. You yeah. know what I mean? They can only they can only contain so much. And and oftentimes they go to school and they really specialize in one thing, but like yeah. the fact that your doctor doesn't know everything yeah. I think people forget that doctors, you know, uh that doctors are just like you and I.
3: Yeah.
0: You know? Um Anyway, I, right. That's a sick boy issue. That's that's, a, that's the other podcast.
3: Yeah. So I uh, I don't even really know where to where to like go from here because right. you
2: what I guess why did you choose that as your path, the,
3: um,
2: like medicine or this type of or this type of medicine? Yeah. Or, or well, just bring me through the whole your whole story. Okay. Um, so. So, so I'm actually I'm from Toronto. That's mm-hmm. where I grew up, um, and then I actually went to um, Dalhousie University in Halifax for my yep. undergrad, <laughs> and um, I did a microbiology and immunology degree there anyway and so i there was a couple different paths i could have taken from that point i think i i was one of those people who very early on had an interest in medicine and if you ask me exactly where that started it's like sort of impossible to determine where it started but anyway you kind of get on this path and then you it's sort of like a rule in rule out like do i want to continue doing medicine do i want to do something else so um i actually so I actually was a volunteer doula in Halifax like I spent a year being a doula and supporting um Ooh. women in labor and um which was super cool and so there was moments when I was like I could just be a doula forever this is so cool um and then you know I felt like my skill set I wanted to expand it so I was like okay maybe maybe I'll be a midwife and um and just because I'm so, I was so passionate about women's health I just um and it, I don't know. It's hard to explain exactly where that drive comes from. But you just the more you learn about it and the, the more you want to be there and support women and, and, you know, advance women's health. So that's sort of where I was at at that point. But then even that felt to me and everyone has a different reason for why they chose what aspect of women's health they want to be involved in. And I have so much respect for my midwifery colleagues. But um, for me, it was like I wanted to do even more. I was like I, I just wanted to be able to, you know, if I needed to like deal with a bit more complicated pregnancies or, and then maybe even do the C-sections if I needed to. And if you want to go down that route and really be that person that can provide every single aspect of the care, then that's sort of moving in the the doctor realm, like being an obstetrician gynecologist. Um, but th- okay. So fast forward, I finished my degree and then I um, took a year off, but then I ended up back in Toronto um, for medical school and then thought I would be a family doctor Um And really, you know, then I I was gaining some interest in more treating vulnerable populations and Mm. um, and felt like maybe more community medicine was my (coughs) my direction. But then 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 I, I then my interest was peaked in surgery. And that's kind of a different Then you sort of. Specialized in obstetrics and gyne- gynecology. If you're more interested in in surgery, okay. What is um, obstet- obstetrics? Obst- obstetrics is obstetrics. the is the delivering babies part. So it's you know oh. t- caring for women who are who are pregnant and then caring for them throughout their pregnancy, leading to their delivery. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Obstetrics. Yeah, and the gynecology piece is like the non pregnant women, but like every gynecologic organ could potentially be. What 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 is what is under that yeah, umbrella? Is that
0: like like. The like, would the uterus be part of totally? Yeah, okay. so
2: so basically anything involving the vulva, vagina, cervix, uterus, fallopian tubes, and ovaries, um, and any pathology of the gynecologic organs are things that we could potentially treat or symptoms related to these organs, and then you can, you know, you can subspecialize even more, but, um, and so not everyone treats every gynecologic thing and not every gynecologist does every gyne surgery, but that's sort of more, that's, that's it in in a nutshell.
0: In the, so in the, in, you know, to not to tie it back to pelvic organ prolapse, but I'm going to, (laughs) uh, uh, I remember when I first heard about that, I was like really floored Right, and I'm sure that when you go through like med school, you hear and learn about all of the. Mind-boggling things that can happen to the human body, or that the human body just naturally does. Right. Um, but do you remember? Do you remember when you when you sort of made that transition into gynecological? Uh, is that a word? Gynecological. Uh, totally. Okay. That's sweet.
1: <laughs> See how easy like, that I came out of <laughs> my <laughs> <laughs> mouth.
0: <laughs> uh, when you made the transition into gynecological work, did, was there anything that you learned about that that sort of hit you and you went, "Whoa, what?"
2: Yes. Totally. Um, so, actually, prolapse is a great example of that. Um, there's varying levels of prolapse, or degrees, or grades, or stages. And anyway, you some women just have a little bit of prolapse. They notice a little bit of a bulge. Um, you know in the vulvar area and they're like, what is that? Is that normal? Some of them come to the emergency department because they're so floored about what they've just found. It's the first time discovering it because that particular day they were moving boxes or something or that particular day they tried a new exercise regimen and that is what tipped the scales and all of a sudden they had their prolapse out. Um, For
0: people who don't know, someone just tuned in, this is the first time they've ever heard this word. What what is it? What's happening?
2: So pelvic organ prolapse is um, essentially when... um, for various reasons, but often it's related to women having had multiple kids. Um, it's sort of also a bit related to your genetics. What are your connective tissues like? But that any of your um, pelvic organs can technically prolapse out. It's like a hernia, essentially. Right. Um. Um. But it it goes through the like out the vaginal walls, and then it can actually prolapse out of the vagina. So you actually see it. You know, if you looked at someone's vulva, you would see. It mm-hmm. bulging out, so
0: it can come out, out of like the vaginal hole.
2: Yeah, yeah so that's that is it can be outside your body. Yeah, it, it
0: guys. There's <laughs> guys.
2: Am I still blowing
3: your mind? What? With this? Yes,
0: <laughs> I thought he, I thought it was only like within, like I like inside the the the. The The vagina. Vagina. Yeah, inside the vagina.
2: Above the, or inside the hymen, I guess is how you would describe that. Yeah. So. Whoa. So that's actually very mild prolapse. And I would argue that most women who have had babies have have some of that. You know, but many right. of them don't notice it. So you're right. not usually symptomatic if it's just if it's just within like inside the hymen. Most women actually don't notice, but if we examined every single woman who's had a couple babies, they would have some descent of either the bladder, the rectum, or the cervix. So you can have any of those can come down and out.
0: All my girlfriends are just listening to this, going, I, who no. don't have babies yet." Are listening, going, <laughs> "I, nah, I, no." Nope. No, <laughs> no, nope, no, no, nope, no, nope,
3: no, nope, no. Nope. Um. So, but wait, how does the? Because I, I think I was picturing these things pro coming into the vagina through the cervix, which just doesn't make any sense because right.
2: that's not where they are. Mm-hmm. So, where right. are they coming through the wall? The vaginal wall. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Totally. It's like it like is ballooning out. I'm showing with my hands, which helps no one <laughs> listening to the podcast, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, there's, you know, there's like the front wall and the back wall and then the cervix is kind of at the top. Yeah. And then if the front wall prolapses out, that's your bladder. Oh, I out. see. It if takes the, the whole wall, wall yeah, with It's it not the going,
3: whole, it's not perforating the wall. No, no, exactly. it's taking the wall with exactly. it. It's, it's kind so of like an upside
0: thing. down diva cup. The top of the, the, the and the tip, the top tip yeah. would be the cervix yeah. and then the you know the sides of it the cup yeah like if one side of it came in that could be the bladder if one side of it prolapses it in,
2: into itself kind yeah. of thing. yeah and if you flip the whole thing inside out. And then that we there's actually a term called complete procedentia.
0: No, no, no. Yeah,
2: yeah I'm going to tell you what that <laughs> no. is. No. Yeah, I am. Complete so, procedentia? Isn't that? It's a good term. I already yeah. can't make a fist. Yeah. Am I, oh, God. <laughs> it is um, when the, it's basically the whole uterus is out of the body. So. Oh, my Lord. So, it, yeah. So, it, the, at its most advanced women their entire cervix and uterus is sort of like everted and it's completely outside of their body.
0: Obviously yeah. that's like uh that's really bad. Like that's an emergency, right?
2: It's not actually an emergency. Women oh live god. with it for years and years and Oh years. my god, no, really? Yeah. Yeah, some women yeah, they do.
0: Is it not it's, is it not like excruciatingly painful?
2: It's um it can it prolapse is usually not painful actually it's more that it's like it's sort of like you're like you can imagine it's like sitting on like a balloon like and it's uncomfortable and then certainly for the women Hmm. with the most extreme forms of prolapse they can um you know even just from sitting on it get ulcers on the the cervix and they can bleed and So, um, but you know, you can, it's actually taken years for them to get to that point. You know, they, if they, they, it started off as just noticing like an egg sized bulge between their legs and then, you know, but either they didn't know what that was. They didn't know that they could seek care. They didn't know who to go to. Yeah.
0: Now, if someone is dealing with, with something like that, I, I can imagine that that would play, that would, um, well we've we've spoken to someone on on the podcast who who specifically was talking about how it it made sex like sexual intercourse really uh uncomfortable mm-hmm. um she had she had pelvic organ prolapse of her of both her bowel and her bladder mm-hmm. um and so we were kind of like, "Well, what do you like what do you do about it?" And she's like, "I don't, I don't really I don't really know like what I can do about it." Right. it, it to get that treated is that like a um a surgery? And is it like elective surgery or is it sort of mm. Like.
2: So yeah, so there's different ways you can manage it. So if you, for example, just notice it a little bit, um, or your do- even you're getting a pelvic exam, and your doctor's like, "Oh, I think you have a little bit of prolapse," and you're like, "Oh my gosh, I didn't know I had this. What do I do?" Um, what the first of all, you can do nothing if it doesn't bother you. you Actually, can do nothing about it. Some mm-hmm. women just are; they're maybe not sexually active, doesn't bother them at all. Leave it alone; it's totally fine, not dangerous. Um, women that if you're if the- if it's bothering them for-, for sexual functioning or they just notice the bulge <laughs> and it's really bothersome to them, then um, the next step we go to would be um, pelvic organ, or sorry, pelvic physiotherapy, which Mm is the best. Huge plug for pelvic physio. They are wonderful. If you... (laughs) After in places like I think it's in Ireland like six months or six weeks postpartum everyone gets a default um, referral to pelvic physio. No yeah, shit. It's in
3: France actually. I spoke with a pelvic floor physiotherapist yeah. for I Hear You and uh, she was saying yeah every they get it's all paid for by the government. No They shit. get 10 sessions of oh, pelvic floor physiotherapy every woman who has a baby in France and then after that if they need more they get more and if they don't need more then they get sessions in like core strength restoration
2: yeah whoa yeah and whereas here we pay for it or it has to be covered under your insurance which is right. you know certainly a barrier for some people
3: and you have to know that it exists because yeah so many that's it's like i'd never heard of it before i mean i've never had a baby but a lot of the 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 women who recommended that i speak to pelvic floor therapists on that podcast are women my age or younger who have had like pelvic problems and yeah. i'm like oh this is happening mm-hmm. Gosh, are-
0: again that's that thing where it's like no one's talking about it totally. like I, which is a shame and I, I like there's part of me that kind of understands like okay well it's it's health issues that are happening with your your you know in quotations private parts so like right. people just people don't really want to talk about that stuff as much or it, it doesn't feel like Proper or like or necessary yeah. to talk about, which I'm like bullshit. Talk about talk about what you're going through. You know what I mean? But if someone has a fucking headache. They're gonna, you're definitely gonna it. hear about it. You know. <laughs> yeah. So if you have a, a a vagina ache, you might as well be talking about it. You know.
3: I totally agree with you. I just I think that there's a lot more to it yes. than that.
0: A hundred percent. Yeah, you're yeah. you're totally right.
3: Especially you know I feel like coming out of an age where like, your primary function as a woman is to make babies. So, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. just make the babies, and, like, that's your job. Ooh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know. Maybe I, that's also oversimplifying it. But anyhow, <laughs> I want to hear more about what, what <laughs> do how, we do when we have... <laughs> how are we, oh, how yeah. are we right, treating right, our right. pelvic
2: right. organ prolapse? <laughs> um, so pelvic physio, wonderful, excellent. I mean, pelvic physio is for lots of other things, too. Incontinence, pain, it's phenomenal. Um, and then... So if, you know, pelvic physio is not working or in the most severe forms of prolapse, that it wouldn't necessarily help. Um, (laughs) Then those women, you can try something called a pessary. I don't know if you guys talked about pessaries in the last one. So um, there's different types of pessaries. They're different sizes. The most common one is a ring that has that sort of like covered and it's silicone and it goes in the vagina and it just like expands and then just holds everything up. Whoa. So like yeah. A diaphragm kind of shape? Yeah. Okay. It's, it's like a flat diaphragm. Okay. Yeah. Um, there's other ones that are shaped like a cube and other ones that have like a horn on them depending on the type of prolapse and how severe it is and things like Sounds that.
0: Sounds like something Tesla made. <laughs> like, yeah, we, well, we can fix that <laughs>
2: exactly. The cube up there, yeah. yeah. yeah just uh, wow. The, <laughs> the, the cube basically has like suction cups on the side. You can imagine just like going up and just yeah. suction cupping against all the walls. But anyway, <laughs> I feel like uh, there's
3: some sort of sea creature that, that would do the same thing. <laughs> yeah.
2: Basically, yeah, yeah. Um, But for some women, it works so well. Some women can they learn how to take it out and put it back in themselves, so they can take it out and clean it as often as they like. They can take it out for sex, <laughs> and then other women, especially our older women who maybe can't necessarily take it out and put it back in themselves, they come back to the clinic every three months just for a pessary cleaning. So, you know, I just take it out and I wash it and I put it back in and make sure everything looks okay. And so, th- and they can live the rest of their life like that if they want. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, if pessaries aren't working, or, or you know it's getting worse or something like that, then um, then surgery. And then it depends on the type of pro depends on the prolapse and the severity of it. But often these women end up with um, with a hysterectomy, vaginally, so a, a vaginal hysterectomy. Um, and um, often, wait, often people who have had pelvic floor
3: prolapse will get a hysterectomy
2: yeah if 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 it it, it, certainly if it involves the cervix and the uterus like okay if it's just the uh the bladder or the rectum like if it's called cystocele or rectocele if it's just that then you can just do either an anterior repair or a posterior repair okay um and um that should just repair those walls but if there's if the cervix is coming down as well mm. um so you have a uterine prolapse as well then you um then you would get a hysterectomy and usually can all be done vaginally actually. okay so i don't
3: know why i've i pictured you like one solution to this problem would be like life is full of
2: what ifs some awesome like what if ai could fold your laundry
0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
3: To go in and like just gently like stitch the uterus and the fallopian tubes like two other things that hold them in the place where they came from. You
2: know what I mean? Well, like you, actually, them. you actually can't. So you can do... So <laughs> You're about to be for, like,
0: we do do we that. We do, do
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> well, sort of, yeah. Like you can, um, there's, if a woman doesn't want to have her uterus removed, um, but she has bad prolapse you can actually sort of do surgeries laparoscopically that more so like suspend things up and or if you've already had um, a hysterectomy and the vault itself can prolapse after that so if you've had a surgery they remove the uterus and like they remove the uterus and the cervix and then years down the road you the the actual vaginal vault can just prolapse out. Um, the
0: vault is that a uh, colloquial term, or is that
2: no? Like that's that's what we call. Yeah, it? we'd call it a vault. Suspension the vault. is the name of the surgery. So you wow. you can you actually take the the vault from above laparoscopically. So with little keyhole surgery, where you're yeah. looking with a camera and 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 you 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 the vault back up and then you you sew some mesh to it and then you sew the mesh to the sacral promontory which is like or you like tack it to the bone actually and so you like pull it up and you tack it to their sacrum. Or sacral promontory. Okay. Whoa! Isn't that cool? I thought it was a vaults really cool
3: and keyholes and bones. There's so it many. sounds like a wild adventure. Yeah. Attacking
0: it to sacrum. Yeah, It's crazy.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's, it is pretty wild.
0: So but you, so you're getting into or are in 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 the realm of surgery. We we kind of like we we kind of veered off, but we were talking about how you 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 started getting into surgery. Yeah. Is that where you're at now
2: yeah, so i so this specialty is a surgical specialty, so oh. we um it's kind of a fun. <laughs> specialty in the sense that we get a, an interesting mix of like usually that you kind of end up being like okay am I more medical or surgical so do I want to be an internist or do um, internal medicine or cardiology or respirology and that, that kind of sends you down one path or do you want to be a surgeon like a general surgeon or a plastic surgeon or whatever and we're we're almost like this fun hybrid where we do a lot of there's a lot of medicine involved in obstetrics and, yeah. and a lot of medical management of gynecologic issues as well but um, but we also then are surgeons. And so if, you know, I can manage you for your abnormal uterine bleeding, you have really heavy periods, let's talk about different ways we can manage it. And then, but down the road, you're like, I'm done having babies, or I don't want babies, and my bleeding's really bad, I have massive fibroids, um, then I would be the surgeon that removes your uterus too, so... And, and or i mean if you be if you do urogynecology that's when you would do like the prolapse surgeries and sure. things like that but then you also care for women who are pregnant and then you deliver their babies and do their c-sections if you need so it's a very it's a You're very broad a t- yeah, it's a right. very broad specialty yeah well oh,
0: that's so wild yes. and, and what like is there a a range of age that you you deal with or is it pretty much like anything within an adult clinic
2: anything that comes to you i mean there's also like teens getting pregnant and you're treat so you're t- treating and p- p- peds adolescent gynae is is a specialty as well within our realm so right um you could be a gynecologist that also did a little ex- extra training in peds adolescent gynecology and then you're treating children as well wow wow yeah. man
0: yeah. so fascinating it's
2: very cool
0: <laughs> turn me on we'll be right back after this word from our sponsors
3: I have so many questions um <laughs> okay so well, before I forget I wanted to ask because um, I I remember I had an IUD at one point mm-hmm. and um I remember that my sister telling me something about how it was actually a re- it's a really old uh form of birth control to insert things into your vagina or may, maybe I don't know if that or further I don't know Until that problem, would yeah. irritate <clears throat> the lining of your uterus, so oh, it would God. be an inhabitable place for a baby to grow. Yeah. So like copper or like pebbles, yeah, you know. With regards to prolapse, do you have you encountered anything in like the history of of women treating their own gynecological issues of like what did, what do people do before surgery and. Be- Pessaries,
2: I think, are similar okay. in the sense that pessaries have been around for as long as this problem has been around. People have thought, okay, if I just put something big enough in my vagina, will it stay up? Will it stay in there? And the answer is yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Okay, cool. I, yeah. I just need but
0: to ask that. Isn't it crazy that we used to, we used to like, you, you reminded me of how, of like, contra- how, where contra- contraception has come from and, and, like some of the weird things we used to use as as like condoms mm-hmm. you know like like goat horns or like you know? Do you remember that? We were I ta- don't remember goat horns. Yeah, Something we talked. We talked about it once on the podcast. Where okay. we, we, it was some fucking like cosmopolitan Buzzfeed, yeah. article, but <laughs> yeah. so who knows the validity of it? But it was like bull horns, and like they would hollow out horns and use them as
3: I find as condoms. I find that stuff that like the history of that stuff mm-hmm. so fascinating, and, and how it's like informed today's medicine. Are there right. any other examples that come to mind
2: of things like that? Sure, like forceps are forcep deliveries. They, they're, they've, that's been around forever. Yeah. Like, yeah. Some stuff in it. It's funny, like, we like to think that we've come so far in, like, (laughs) obstetrics and stuff like that, but it's actually, we're doing, like, still very primitive things. Uh We're like, baby's not coming, put, these things will fit around the head. Let's just haul it out with these things that look like salad (laughs) spoons. Oh, God. Yeah.
0: Okay, is it, is it just me or is our, is forcep baby removal, like, is that dangerous?
3: <laughs> like can it you just is,
0: can you just like break no, the baby's neck off? No,
3: because their bones are still like jello, right? Yeah.
2: So Ugh. Yeah. There's okay, there's a lot to unpack with forceps too. Okay. So they're they're becoming less they became less popular over time because they are so they are certainly more risky than if the baby comes out with no assistance at all. Sure,
0: of but, course. But
2: you know, if we're considering a forcep, it's because like the baby is not quite fit fit, like it's going to fit, but it needs a little bit of guidance or it's, um, or the baby's heart rate's really low. Something bad is happening. We need to get this baby out Out now. now. And you know, if we, if the heart rate was fine, we could have let them on push and then the baby would come out. So, um... And then you would say, well, why not just do a C-section in that situation? And and truthfully, that's sort of the direction that Obstetrics has gone in a lot of places is that it's like, you know what? Forceps were considered a little bit more risky. There's potential like risk of damage to mom or baby. So let's just go for a C-section. But a C-section when the head is super, super, super low mm. is a dangerous C-section. You super can, low, as like, in like, like the like, head
0: is like almost out of the vagina yeah so pointing it, down
2: yeah exactly so like okay. the head is it's right there you can see it. it and and you could just if you put forceps on you could just pull it out from below and so but if you're not comfortable doing forceps or you you know for whatever you're like okay we're just going to do a c-section instead because this seems quote-unquote safer it's, it's actually not necessarily safer like certainly if the person's not trained in forceps yes it's safer but um Doing a C-section, you can imagine now you have a, a head that's wedged in the pelvis and you getting that head out from above is actually really, really difficult. Right. Um, and the head can get stuck. Sometimes you actually have to have someone push from below, like go oh. under the drape, push from below and your hands meet like it's in the it's pelvis. That's, it's pretty wild. But holy moly. And there's not there's not there's a it's a pretty stressful specialty. Obviously, there's like it's pretty high stakes. We yeah. there's a lot of things that cause me anxiety. But the one of the things that causes us all the most anxiety is like babies getting stuck. Doesn't matter which way, but if a and like just not being able to get the baby out, and so so doing a fully dilated section where you've either tried forceps or you say like the baby's really really low, but we're going to try to do a C section, like that's a stressful C section. Yeah, yeah, and you could cause a lot of damage. Like the yeah, the is, da- is the that
0: readers. the kind of thing where like it's sort of like a football team and there's like the kicker. So like when that shit happens, like. We got to call the kicker in because this is their specialty. They kick the ball, like or are you the entire team? Like, are you going? Fuck! Now I got to use what the forceps. What I do? Yeah,
2: yeah. So, I mean, as a resident, certainly, like I always have my staff behind me. Sure. Um and. And so it'll, like, I I will be the first try at everything. I will be the first try at, if we just determine it's safe to do a forceps, like, well, I'll be the first one to put the forceps on. I'll be the first one to pull. And if it doesn't come, the staff will put their hands on my hands and they'll try pulling. And then, you know, if it doesn't come, then we say, okay, then we switch for a C-section. And then, again, like, I'll be the one that does the C-section and then wow. I'll be the one that tries to get the head out. And if I can't get the head out, I have the staff. The st- stressful part is there will be a day when I don't have the staff there. And that's, that is that is um, the anxiety of the resident, is that yeah. you... You have this transition to being a staff person and then the buck stops with you. And if you can't get it, then no one can get it. Yeah.
3: When uh, I was present for my sis, a couple of my sister's uh, children's birth and um, the midwife, it was all at home. And the midwife, there were no forceps, but she like went in there with her hands. Is there is there like can you do that? Like, I'm wondering why you would use, was she allowed
0: to do that? (laughs) Why
3: would you use salad tongs when you could just use your own hands? You know, um, that's a good,
2: that's a good question. Um, you don't, well, they just don't have the same pull. Like if you, if, if, if it truly needed a forcep, that's oh, um, mechanical. Then I, you, you actually need the traction of the forceps. So yeah. so what the forceps do <laughs> is they're they actually like they kind of like hook around the cheek the cheekbones um, oh and then pull by the the cheeks. So you wouldn't be oh. able to get your hands no way. in there um and pull with the force that a forcep would require if it actually needed a forcep. If it was gonna come anyway, then like Sure. If it was an easy delivery, yeah. probably... Your How cone-headed
0: do the babies get?
2: <laughs> very, very cone Really? Actually, <laughs> yeah. for real? Oh, yeah. It's hilarious. Oh, yeah. man. The, and, like, vacuum... Do you got to mush
0: are, it back down? You,
2: <laughs> no. Like, it softens it into Just bonk,
0: bonk, bonk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: Welcome to the mouth.
0: world. It's just yeah. the
3: back yeah. of the forceps. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 they are, like... Imp- even more so is what, if we use a vacuum.
0: Right, that, right. It's yeah, 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 vacuum. That's right. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. It's not. Know. It's the vacuum instead of the forceps, right? The it's forceps,
2: suck- yeah. So sometimes it's just like the natural shape from going through the pelvis that makes them have a pretty wicked cone head. Like, we right. can have no instruments involved at all, and the babies will come out with a hilarious cone head. Um, but um, but and, you,
0: and you're all, you just lift it up, and you're just laughing. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: because I know it's going to go away, and yeah. I know that the baby's going to look totally normal, but the, the, the parents like, are like, oh, my God, what did you do to my baby? <laughs> you're like, no, 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 it's going to be fine, it's going to be fine. It's totally going to be normal. It's going it's to be totally fine. Your baby looks, you have a gorgeous baby. <laughs> uh.
3: <laughs> Yeah,
0: that's so crazy. So it does, my, like-
3: my mom tells the story of my sister Shay being born, and oh. she was born breech, right? So butt—that's butt first, right? Yeah. So she was folded in half, <laughs> and then this was oh in the time where they put those—they used to put those like drops in baby's eyes or something—that right. they've ceased. To do, I don't know, I can't remember what this
2: kind we of. Still of do, we okay. still do, we still do, oh, it's a whole other. Erythromycin it's Okay, essentially. Yeah, We it depends. Well, it made our eyes.
0: Erythromycin?
2: Erythromycin, yeah, it's an antibiotic. It's if you think they're going to be exposed to, well, we used to do it to every baby. We actually have, are having a critical shortage of it right now, which is a new, uh, we used to okay. literally gave it to every baby. Critical shortage, so we're only giving it to women who are potentially high risk of g- having gonorrhea, chlamydia. It's just to prevent. Is, it, uh, is it similar
0: okay. to azithromycin?
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a type, yeah, it's just basically... a different type of antibiotic, yeah, right. yeah okay. exactly. And it, it comes and in, like, a, a like a gooey eye ointment, and we squeeze it into these poor babies' eyes that are literally just born, and then you, You're <laughs> like, goo. fill their eyes with goo, and then they're, like, Fuck, oh, they're yeah. yeah. And Shay, and so her face
3: was all smushed from being folded in half, oh, and God. her eyes swelled up because of these eye drops, oh, and nay. my mom was like, this is the most hideous baby I've ever seen. Take it away. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> Do you ever, are you ever walking down the street, and you <laughs> see someone and go, ah, they used a vacuum on that person like you know or like you just see someone you know, guess, lasting guess, just the lasting effects the lasting effects of a vacuum never no. went back
2: no it'll always it'll always go down <clears throat> it'll always go back to normal
3: can you tell the sex of the baby uh, by how low it's sitting on a, on a pregnant woman I always hear that your baby's so low must be a boy
2: mm, mm,
3: no no. Okay.
0: do jumping jacks increase your chances of getting pregnant after <laughs> after having uh, being <laughs> common side
2: jumping jacks yeah. uh, as far as I know no but
0: uh, okay. You know. Well, well, I don't. Well.
2: Those are all my questions. So that's <laughs> it. We're just, that's all that. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh,
3: Are there still things that you encounter that are new to you? Like, I mean, I imagine the answer is yes. But the reason I ask that is like, like Jeremy was saying, we hear because of Sick Boy and and so on. Because m- more and more people are talking about their experiences, we hear that like. Oh, most – actually, the majority of pregnancies aren't like, oh, you just like, you know, do your Lamaze breath and then, you know, do a gentle pushing and your baby comes out and everything's fine. Like, it's generally – it seems like there's a lot more potential for um, uh, complication than that for most people.
2: Yeah, I mean, luckily – again, I I get this, like, biased population where I see a lot of complicated pregnancies Mm -hmm. and we deliver a lot of preterm babies and a lot of sick babies and – Or babies of sick moms and but that I'm you know I'm aware that I have a biased population in that so so I have to remind myself especially because someday I also hope to have a baby and all I can think about is the million different complications that can go wrong in a pregnancy for sure Um, but that most pregnancies do tend to go well and are uncomplicated and you know vaginal deliveries go well Um, but that, you know, someone will need C-sections. There are many things that can go wrong in labor or in the birthing process. And so um, it's also relative, like, there are certain things that, you know we view it as a totally normal labor and but women can find super traumatic mm. um and because we maybe especially in some emergency situations that we don't all, we're not always communicating every single thing that's going through our mind mm-hmm. or like the baby's heart rate drops and about a million people run in the room and suddenly i'm checking your cervix making sure there's not a cord prolapse and and i'm flipping you from your left to your right to your left to your right to decide which side the baby likes better and and this poor woman and so you know <laughs> And we're just doing our best to try to make sure we're making the right decisions. And should we be running down the hallway to do a C section? And and then this mom's like, "What is happening? Yeah, (laughs) she's just being tossed
0: back and forth." And yeah, right. Yeah, and
2: then at the end, you know, the baby comes out and everything's great. And then we're like, congratulations, and we all leave the room. And sometimes we forget to debrief that or we right. are running to our next delivery. Like we did 11 deliveries on Friday night and the staff and I were like running from room to room having deliveries just being like, congratulations, see you later. Congratulations, see you later. Like I'll come back and do your repair in about a couple hours. Like it was it was wild. It was a wild night. Wow. Um, and sometimes you just you forget to debrief all of that because what becomes a little bit more normal for us is not normal obviously for people where this is their first experience. Um, but I also, to sort of answer your question, If I'm, I get surprised all the time. Partly because, you know, I'm, I'm still a resident, I'm still a learner, but, you know, I am in my fourth year. You would think that I would have seen a lot of things by now, but and even staffs are surprised all the time. It's a, it's a very humbling um, job being a doctor.
0: Well, yeah. again, coming back to that point I was making earlier, like, the human body can do and, and, and comes, you know, comes into scenarios that are just mind boggling. Like, and still constantly things are happening to our bodies that can't go unexplained, like that still don't have answers. You know what I mean? Like you're in, you're in a, you're in a realm of work that, that, uh, you know, shouldn't ever become normal. You know, it should it should always have some sense of like, whoa, this is
3: deeper that was, understanding. That was unique, is yeah, because you know,
0: everybody's body's so different. Everybody's body's unique. Everyone's going to handle you know their own their own scenario differently. Mm-hmm. But then also, we're just a f- we're just this fucking crazy being that like new stuff's popping up all the time. That you know, I mean, maybe not all the time. I don't know. It, but, I
2: don't know. It kind of feels that way. I mean, at, yeah.
0: I, after two hundred conversations on Sick Boy, you know. I'm I'm like yeah I feel like I've heard a lot and then someone comes in and they're like yeah I have uh, X link blah 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 and I'm like what the fuck is that and they're like yeah, yeah it's like me and one other person in the world have it and I'm like
3: <laughs> how did you find me <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. you know it is it, we're we're fascinating and fascinating beings you know it's it's really
3: and our environment's changing all the time which yeah. must have such an impact on <laughs> our biology and what you know what's going on yeah um outside of like the pregnant um and birth and birthing and and all of that in like as a general maintenance i guess for those of Mm -hmm. us with those organs Mm
2: -hmm. what what should we know about caring for our bits oh that's a good question um so I actually so med Twitter is huge like we are all nerds and are on Twitter reading medical things about each like that each other posts and I was on it this morning and they actually were looking at they were asking women who have vulvar pain uh, just about their habits just to see like is there certain things that some women are doing that's actually causing um them to have let's say more pain or vulvodynia and um tight pants and uh-uh. um and if they Hair removal, not just in the bikini area, but like what would be called a Brazilian, I guess, mm-hmm. um, significantly more likely to have vulvar pain. Whoa! Whoa. Yeah. And, Whoa! Yeah, and women who use—so, like, generally—so, we definitely see a lot of referrals to a gynecologist or women who are having, like, vulvar irritation, vulvar pain, um, or, like, pain during intercourse and things like that. And, then, you know, there's lots of things to rule out that to make sure, like, is it a herpes outbreak? Is it gonorrhea, chlamydia? Is it—do you have a, just a yeast infection? Like, those things are—that's fine. We can treat those things. It's not a big deal um but then there's a whole bunch of women who are going to come in and we've ruled all those things out and so what is it and then so we then we move to lifestyle stuff like what so at nighttime, no bottoms is best actually don't wear anything on the bottoms but if you're going to wear anything wear like (coughs) loose cotton breathable boxers or shorts or something like that and um you know it's a self-cleaning oven don't put anything in it don't wash like don't clean it no it. i don't put soap in it
0: oh you don't put soap in that all right what about your what about your asshole
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's it's similar, similar. idea. Like, yeah, yeah the more you do.
0: Bridie takes her finger, covers it in soap, and sticks the whole finger up her butthole <laughs> to clean it.
2: A lot of and people, I'm like, don't, do like people I don't, have, I would never do that to my vagina, though. But people have very impressive, like, regimens for cleaning yeah. those areas. And actually, the principle is sort of the same. Like, the more you are using cleansers and things to clean those areas, the more irritated it's going to get. Yeah. So, but, and some people, like, it's because they have an itchy butt. They're like, my butt is itchy. I need to do something to make it less itchy. So I'm gonna make sure it's clean, and then yeah. they do that, and then that's what's giving them itchy butt. And yeah. It's like... <laughs> Taylor, are you listening? It's Taylor, itchy butt. A... Are you listening to this, Taylor? Itchy butt I think... is a very medical term. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: Itchy butt. Taylor's been complaining about an itchy butt, and I've been telling him that he's too he... clean. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: No, I just it's a fine t- line. I just yeah. been
0: telling him that he's he hasn't he needs he needs to go back and wipe a uh, a little bit later.
2: Yeah, We'll talk
0: about oh, that it after. too. Yeah, that we'll talk too. about it after. I was <laughs> like, you're, you're, <laughs> I, I, I won't say it because you'll hate it so much. Anyway.
2: Um, okay. Back to Volver King. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> that's, the, <laughs> that's the idea, though. It's self cleaning, you don't need to do anything to clean the area? So
3: if there is... Okay, so this was something we, we talked about on Termion when we first started because I had this like... I had BV and it would not go away mm-hmm. and I couldn't figure it out and it was like a year or more and I tried antibiotics and nothing worked and it just kept coming back and so eventually... Well,
0: we'd talk about it on the podcast and we'd have all these people like write in to be like, oh, listen, girl. Yeah. I, I know. I, I Like, trust me. Just take a sit over top of your your hair dryer put it on like extra hot heat and blast that in you like <laughs> trust me I, I didn't like,
3: try that but I did there was some crazy you things know, I, I did I try a lot of things and uh, I can't remember what, why why I started to ask about this were you
0: gonna talk about shoving garlic up there
3: no I was gonna talk about um oh yeah so you said it's self-cleaning mm-hmm. so when if if there is like an an and odor or if whatever it is that people are trying to like disguise by mm. soaping it up or deodorizing it, is that like, I guess, when should someone be concerned about the cleanliness or mm. odor or signs of like... Mm.
2: So, you know, get it, having BV or a yeast infection is it has not, really nothing to do with like cleanliness. It, you don't get it because you're not. It's not clean. It just it's just a flora issue. It's you have too much of one bacteria or not enough bacteria, so you have too much yeast and. So you might have gotten that yeast infection because of taking antibiotics or you may and we don't actually totally understand why some people get BV and, and other people. I don't. know it's
3: such a mystery.
2: Yeah. And so, you know, again, it's this like it's the flora. We talk about that in a lot of, you know, your gut flora is why you may or may not have IBS. Like it's we don't understand it all that well, but it definitely is. It's it's a thing. Um, but. So, you know, and if you've gone through the appropriate antibiotic treatments and you still have B V like it's hard. It's hard to I mean eventually it eventually it should go away and with with appropriate treatment. But interestingly, sometimes it is again that like that that vicious cycle of like, okay, I have this odor um so I'm gonna use this cleanser, I have this odor so I'm gonna use this thing. But that's what's actually keeping the B V around mm-hmm. is um is just not letting the good bacteria regrow mm. and things like that. But um, so in those situations, we we would say, okay, like here's here's your flagell or your metronid. all like the medication you're gonna take for your BV. But also, we would run through the same vulvar care things that we would for people with like a painful vulvar, or like any any anything vulvar related. We would say the same thing. So like like at night, sleep like this. Like don't wear bottoms, cotton underwear only, no tight pants. Don't remove hair. Don't put anything in the vagina, no cleansers in the area, just water and see what happens.
3: What about um, other like pelvic floor stuff? Because it's like that, that is, are there, because like, I feel like Kegels were a thing for Mm -hmm. like a really Mm -hmm. big amount of time. Mm -hmm. And then when I talked to um, the pelvic floor therapist in Halifax, she was like, actually, some people have excessive tension in their pelvic floor. And that's why they have experience incontinence. Mm -hmm. So like... What about other maintenance practices for down there?
2: So, I mean, for a lot of women, Kegels are still fine and good like it's building it's like exercising any muscle and it would build up your pelvic floor muscles and that can help prevent incontinence and pelvic organ prolapse um or women in the immediate postpartum period may have a little bit of prolapse or um or incontinence that does go away with time but um but doing kegel exercises definitely is is fine and then you can do them at home and um but like it wouldn't hurt you can i would still go to a pelvic physiotherapists and get some recommendations because they would they guide it exactly for what your pelvic floor needs um and then often even if you can't afford lots of um sessions with a pelvic physio especially if it's for just building strength they just can teach you exercises and you just go home and do them yourself like Mm. you can do even one or two sessions with them and many of them are, are receptive to that i feel like i just can't afford to go to more but i'd really like to learn what to do but the the just doing kegels for everything they're not a one size fits all you, if you do kegels and that's exactly right some people have an overactive pelvic floor and those are women who have vaginismus so like can't have penetrative mm-hmm. intercourse can't put a tampon in because their pelvic floor muscles just completely tighten with any sort of attempt then those women if they did do kegels would definitely make it worse um or having like pain during intercourse or th- some women just feel like their whole pelvic floor is like buzzing and it's in pain and it's like it's like a muscle like a muscle spasm and that's exactly what it is but it's just it's your pelvic floor that's muscle spasming and that huh. would be painful like any muscle spasm um so you know kegels would would not be <laughs> ideal but <laughs> pelvic going to again going to pelvic physio i obviously love public physio. <laughs> know. um, going to public physio, um, they they do like they sort of assess for like trigger points and where things need to relax and lengthen and they sort of work with you in that respect. So, yeah. It's not a one size fits all but right. That's really helpful to know.
0: All of this has been really helpful to know. <laughs> This has been this has been really fascinating. I'm I'm glad that uh, I'm glad we were able to make this work.
3: Mm-hmm, me too.
0: Yeah. And uh, I, you, before we started recording, you're like, I've never done a podcast before. Well, right. there you, you
2: the, my first podcast, first one. <laughs> How did it feel? Um, it was it was great. It just felt like a nice conversation. It was. That- I love talking about the things that I love talking about, which is. <laughs> and evidently, it, guy needs yeah.
3: that. <laughs> it feels like we we're like super concentrated around like uh like singular like I have questions about ovaries and fallopian tubes and all these like <laughs> qu- questions but I but we won't we won't continue um, today maybe there will be a second opportunity but yeah yeah you're a wealth of knowledge oh, well thank you thanks was, for sharing all thank that. you so much well
0: yeah thank you for coming on and and good luck with the rest of uh, you know getting getting over your residency or passing yeah. residency or Bo-
1: both. Both of those. OK. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And good luck with the 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 uh, you know, I wanted to touch on this. But again, maybe maybe another day. But the anxiety of like uh, it it is a it's a tough, tough job. You know, it's a big job. So. Yeah. But you seem like you're you've kind of got a handle on it.
2: At <laughs> least, at least from here. Depends depends on the day, but we, uh, <laughs> yeah, you just want to do, you just want to do right by your patients. So, yeah, totally. Yeah. Well,
0: thanks again, Alicia, for coming in. This was really great.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: And uh, thank you all so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, as per usual, we'll be back with another fantastic episode next week. Um, but in the meantime, go over to Apple Podcasts and hit the subscribe button, and definitely, for sure, leave a rating and a review. Um, because it helps us stay on the Apple podcast charts and that's really important for us
3: yeah and there's a lot of great podcasts out there that talk about sex and sexuality but um, none are as good as us so that's was my point so thanks Jeremy (laughs) Um, if you want to be a guest on the show you can reach out to us at termionpodcast.gmail.com or visit our website termionpodcast.com there's a couple of submission forms there you could come be a guest or you could send us a question that you'd like us to take a a stab at answering Mm -hmm. and uh, you can visit with us on instagram at turn me on podcast yep. uh we have a lovely gallery of beautiful bums on there uh we'll post your butts uh because you probably shouldn't you have a career and a professional persona to protect
0: yeah any, any doctors out there we get it you can send it send it on over uh don't send
3: other people's butts no don't
0: do well unless it's your unless it's consensual and yeah. your partner and, and and everything everyone's all all good um, uh, speaking of butts uh, go on over to patreon.com slash termion and uh, you might find yourself a little treat there who knows
3: a picture of your butt
0: I don't know <laughs> I don't know there's only one way to find out
3: we so appreciate our uh, Patreon support and because uh, they get us cool places like Toronto where we yeah. talk to cool people like Alicia
0: this wouldn't happen without our Patreon support so thank you all so much that is it for this week
3: it sure is until next week
0: go fuck yourself